Greet each one in Jesus' name also this morning. I, along with Eric, can say amen to uh, what was shared uh, in the Sunday school. And Joe had an interesting comment. He said he'll let all of us grade our own test when it comes to hearing, obeying, and teaching how we're doing so far. I appreciated that thought. And the thought in uh, the devotional that Tim had about uh, Job going out there every morning and kind of was a habit to him to pray for the children there. Very good challenge. A couple scattered thoughts this morning, and we'll try to tie them together a little later. I want you to keep this phrase in your mind, follow the money. And according to Wikipedia, it came from a documentary about President Nixon years where Nixon lied and got into some trouble there. And uh, they were trying to find their way through that. And the phrase there, follow the money, is the thought of trying to get to the bottom of why somebody's doing what they're doing. And you just follow the money. You can usually figure it out. In politics or in business. So just put that on a shelf somewhere. On the Lazy Susan. Beside the brown sugar. And then we'll think about it a little later. There. The second thing is uh, unrelated a bit. But also ties into my thoughts this morning. I have a friend who has a friend who's an alcoholic. Who can't uh, quit. And uh, his uh, counselor said he's, um, what's the word she used, a functioning alcoholic. That uh, he's keeping his life together pretty good and that he's doing well. And my friend says, uh, in his opinion, there's nothing like a functioning alcoholic. (laughs) And... He says, I can't help it. And I wonder what your, your response would be to a person. How should I respond to him? If he says, you know, I go out for business meetings and in our culture, drinking is part of it. And I know it, it does some harm here. And I'm paying a bit of a price for it. But I just can't help it. I can't. I tried a thousand times. And I can't quit. What's, what's the right answer to him? This isn't a trick question. I'd appreciate your input if you have a thought on what would be helpful either from uh, a counseling or a, or a biblical perspective. If somebody comes to you and says, I really want to quit drinking, but I can't. I see some benefits of quitting. What do we have? I just can't help myself. I get in my pickup truck and here I am again. You okay with that? What's the answer, Marv?
Yeah. Eventually. There's doctors, right, that some of us are more predisposed genetically to have addictions. Do you agree with that? I I do too. Does that change anything in the picture of, of what we're working with here? Yeah. And oftentimes a person who just fools with it a little bit, if he is a person like that, he's hooked pretty quick or he has a problem pretty quick. It, the, the cost of it doesn't show up right away. Let me switch gears here a little bit if I could and lay another scenario that happened to me this week here. A shed customer come in and uh, the husband said, uh, I need a new shed for my razor. I need a little taller uh, doors so that my side-by-side uh, f- four-wheeler fits in it there. And uh, we also need a, a shed, a gazebo, like a great room or something like that. So we need two sheds. And the wife said, well, it has to be all in one building. And then uh, he said, what? No, it can't be in one building. It has to be two buildings. And he said, no way, we don't, we can't. Or she said, no way, we don't have space for two buildings. He said, well, yeah, we do. There was a little bit of silence there. And then the husband said, go ahead and order what you want there. And she said, no, I, no, you go ahead and order what you want. You need to be satisfied. A little more silence. And then she said, can't we discuss this? I need your input. We're going somewhere with this. What went wrong there? 
or who was in the wrong, or what were they thinking? Somebody, what was the wife feeling? Or what was she thinking? He says, go ahead. Order it. And it was charged in there, and we were all studying our own brochure. (laughs) But I don't think we were seeing it. Now, I could have used one of your illustrations from this past week, probably. But it would have been a little more uncomfortable. These folks are out of the area. I don't see them in the congregation here this morning. Who was in the wrong? The truth is, is that this, that situation started with a misunderstanding. They didn't have this figured out before they came in there. Okay. A misunderstanding erupted. The other truth is, is that when he said just go order it, the misunderstanding was being was left to continue. What? What was he doing when he said go ahead and order it? <laughs> Too much feeling in that, Ruthie. <laughs> so he wasn't he wasn't kindly laying it giving up. He was when she said Why can't we just discuss this? What was she feeling? She wasn't heard. She wasn't heard. What motivated her to want to talk about it? Well, she finally didn't want the responsibility, or at least the appearance of it. She didn't want it. She wanted some input into it. We found out as she went along. She had some ideas. They both had some ideas. This isn't an unusual, totally unusual scenario that we are looking at here. But what was she feeling? She was feeling like, can't we just discuss this? Ladies, did you ever feel that way? And what was he doing? He was saying, I'm going to be a martyr here and give away what is my duty, but you're out of place. You just go ahead. But it's not a, it's not a true, it wasn't a thing where I'll, I'll gladly give in. Was it? He wasn't saying, his move wasn't moving the ball down the road further, was it? And her move of digging in and saying, um, I need to tell you how to order your machinery, was bugging him a little bit. He felt like, is there any decision that you would trust me with at all? If I can't order my shed 
for my four-wheeler. Do you want to order the parts for my four-wheeler too? Is there anything you would trust me with? Can I do anything in your eyes that would work? And she was saying, all I want to do is talk about this. And now it's a, it's a thing. We're sitting here in a stranger's office who's looking at his brochure. Would we agree that they were both out of place a little bit? With what you have to go on so far. Is, is that a, a good assumption? Or was it just her? Or was it just him? He was pulling rank. He wasn't giving up. When he said, order it. You order my shed for me. He wasn't, he wasn't giving up. And he wasn't making things better. And when she said, can't we just discuss this? She was putting over on him, look, you're being unreasonable. Why do we do what we do, is the question I have for you this morning. Why do we respond the way we respond? What makes us tick? There was two that were hurt there. And as we, we got them through it, we, we talked a little bit and, and, uh, and I don't, you know, we got them through it. And I sit here looking at people this morning who look pretty pious and pretty good. But I somehow have the feeling like you can connect with those kinds of things. We're, that's not very far from all of us. And so my question is, how do you resolve those type of things? What makes us tick? Why do we say the things we say? Why do we act the way we act? What are the keys to human behavior? If any of you build a house uh, together with a mate, you probably had decisions where you had something in your mind, you had a lot of thought into it, and then your wife had a, uh, something else. She was picturing it different. And those are, those are very common things in life. Our uh, child raising, our, not, now some of your temperaments make it easier. Some people don't have an opinion, it seems like. So you can order the shed any way you want to shed, whatever works with me. And that's, they probably have different discussions or different struggles or different fights, but there are some people who uh, are, aren't quite as uh, quick to have an opinion there. What could you do if you had the keys to human behavior? If you'd understand why we respond the way we respond. What, what could you do with that information? Turn to James Chapter 4 is where we're bouncing off of today.
And he starts. Uh, you know the thing I like about the brother of Jesus here, the in James, I think pastors use this pretty much, James, but he's so direct. Some of the things he says to the church are so, so direct and so, uh, I think it's designed to, to shock us a little bit or to, to wake us up. But he starts in, from whence comes wars and fightings among you? What causes the quarrels and fighting? that we have among us? A a rhetorical question he's asking. Come they not hence even from your lusts that war in your members? There's a war going on inside of it. and, And it comes from all of the struggles you're having. All of the disagreements we're having as a as uh, brethren or sisters or in a church or whatever, um, we have this thing, come they not hence, even from your lust, that war in your members. And that word lust is a little bit different in some of the translations, and, and, and it had uh, also an idea of passion, but it is our wants and our needs the wars come from what we want. And let me put it in my own words, what this is saying here. Why do we do the things we do? Because we want what we want. Our responses to each other, our struggles with each other, our our motivations, why do we do the things we do? And all boils down to we want what we want. We want our own way. We want what we want. And, and that's the struggle. There's this war going on in our, for our uh, souls. And a lot of the responses that we have to each other that are wrong, that, that disappoint, that hurt, we're responding that way because we want what we want. We want what we want. It's not a genetic disposition. Disposition. It's not an environmental problem because of the family that we were brought up in. It's not a personality problem. It's not a temperament flaw. Our struggles come down to this. We want our way. When Ruthie doesn't agree with me, and if if she can't convince me, and 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 then we we both feel different about the same subject, and the feelings that we have from that is uh, we're not willing to give up or we're not willing to walk away from it because we want our way, we see it our way. You see something different than I see, and I want what I want, and that's what motivates my. Uh, voice uh, in in Matthew 15, it, it, Jesus says, "It comes from the heart, not what you eat that condemns a person or or uh, brings a person down, but what comes from the heart. For out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, murders, adulterers, and thefts, and false witness, and that kind of stuff. So uh, it comes from our hearts. So we." We do the things we do because we want what we want. 
And that's what, where the problem is. So you say, yeah, but that does it. That's too easy. That's too much. Um, I have wants, I have needs, and there's a difference there. Um, is there a difference between your needs? You say, brethren, I have a need that's stronger than my wife's need, and it causes problems, and we just can't settle it. We can't get over this thing, and it enters into a lot of different conversations. The question I have, is there a difference between your need and the alcoholic we were fixing a little earlier? If the alcoholic comes to you and says, I can't help it, I tried a thousand times, it's a motivation within me. I leave the house. I don't intend to. And I end up at the bar again. And you say, well, that's just not right. That's not. you got to do something about that. You can't just say, I can't. But in all of our little struggles in life, we say, hey, we can't help it. We want what we want, and so we respond how we respond. If you totally disagree with a brother at church, how do you respond to him? <clears throat> when does something become sinful in your life? When you're willing to sin to get what you want. Or when you're, i.e., tramp on people, put other people down. I want you to, I want us to think, I think this is so helpful. I think this is the keys to human behavior, to your behavior, if you're struggling with anything. Is there anyone here that's not struggling with anything in their life? They got it all handled. So if you're struggling with anything, it's really good to understand a little bit about ourselves there. To understand that the role that your desires and wants and needs, whatever word you want to put in there, uh, have in the communications and actions and responses. We want what we want, and that therefore we... Why we do what the things we do is because we want what we want. We want it our way. <clears throat> because we want what we want, we would switch to things that aren't Christian without the Spirit of God in us. I, I add, just to make you comfortable here, so you may gossip, you might get angry, you might commit fornication or adultery or drink, become an alcoholic, you might be power hungry, you might be lazy, greedy, you might have a spending disorder, you might be selfish, arrogant, rebellious, unkind. These are the things that you are because you want your way. How does he say it? From whence cometh wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of the lust that war in your members? There's another couple there that was buying a poly set. And I'm thinking through this teaching in James, and I'm wondering, okay, for instance, how could a 
the wife and the husband changed that conversation into a spirit-filled conversation. So there was this other couple there, and another salesperson was working with them. And the husband said, we want this here color, these two colors together. And the wife cringed and said, I, I, I don't really think that that... I, I would rather go with a single color than, than those two colors. The husband said, no, this is what's going to work. I want this and this because it goes with this. And the wife said, okay. And she tried a couple more times. She said, would it be okay if I get just mine one color? Yeah, I don't care what you do, but the, the big... So we're spending a couple thousand dollars here in a pub set. And, and it's, go, it's going to be a bad color. Men, I tell you, it was a bad color. Your colors aren't always the... Coordination isn't always the best, is it? But our salesman said to him... Uh, that is an unusual color. We wouldn't want that back. We wouldn't want, uh, if, in other words, if you see it and you say, that is a bad color. We don't want that color. And the husband said, sure, that's fine. And the wife said, okay, we're good to go. What if that happens day after day? These answers aren't easy. What if the husband runs roughshod and is unwilling to listen to good advice? There, these these answers aren't easy, but they're biblical. We could, they could have fought. She could have dug in. Would have that been better? She could have dug in. And we can fight till the cows come home and then butcher the cows and continue to fight. And she could still be fighting today. But she has an ugly, poly, and, and the bad thing about poly is the color stays that way all the time. It doesn't fade very much. Some of it does. But the pretty ones fade quicker. <laughs> Verse 2, you lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, go to all extent. And ye have not because ye ask not. Ye ask not and receive not because ye ask amiss that ye may consume it upon your lust. Even your prayers are hindered because of the selfishness you want what you want. You want what you want. And here James says to the church, says to his brotherhood, to his congregation, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is in enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. And in the context here, it's spiritually, uh, spiritual adultery where you're walking away. From his principles, and he's very candid. And a lot of times, when I think of uh, a friend of the world, I think of worldliness. And because of my upbringing, 
I think, less nickel on the car. And you guys don't understand what that means, but where we grew up, it was all black cars. And when a person would become, rededicate their lives, kind of, and they become more serious because something in their life happened, the way that that would come out is they get additional black paint and paint maybe the mirrors or the bumpers or what we called nickel. It was actually chrome, but my dad used to call it nickel, too much nickel. Uh, when you think of worldliness, that's often because of my background what I think of, but the context goes on to say he's staying right where we're at here. He's saying the way that you work through problems and relationships and the way that you want things and the way that you do you is committing spiritual adultery because you're not following the spirit that I have put within you. Uh, you you're, you're being unfaithful in these things. And, and the worldliness is that you're acting like the world. The world divorces. The world comes apart. The world... Uh, does all kinds of things and you're you're making all those decisions and you're becoming you're thinking like a worldly person. Verse five Do you think that the scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy, or do you think the spirit do you think the scriptures have no meaning is uh, the way one uh, copy would put it. Do you think the scriptures have no meaning? They say that God is passionate, that the spirit he placed within us should be faithful to him. The fighting and bickering among us shows the lack of the spirit of God within us. The spirit that produces fruit like patience and all that kind of thing. Worldliness in this setting isn't about conservative, it's about living your life and making the decisions and the conversations you're having. Someone asked Jesus one time, summarize this whole thing. I'm I'm good, I, I do all these, you know, summarize this whole thing. And Jesus said, it's about your relationship with God and it's about your relationship with your fellow man. That's the summary of it. And that's a challenge to all of us. Susie at work was telling us about this here, a documentary of a person that was in prison on death row for 20 years. And he was in solitary confinement for 20 years. And we as human beings are made to be in relationships. We need each other and we need the Lord. That's that's what it's all about. And can you imagine uh, for a half an hour each day he was allowed out to exercise by himself. And then he would be in that room by himself for 20 years. And he couldn't even read his own mail. A person showed up uh, a time or two a week or whatever and read his mail to him. A pastor and sang a little bit to him. After 20 years... He was, something happened and he got out. Uh, I forget the storyline there, but he got out. And it had messed him up. And he was on a downward spiral 
until somebody told him, hey, you need a little bit of help. You need somebody to steady you. You need to understand what all went wrong inside there. But for 20 years, he was by himself. But Jesus says, here's the bottom line. It's about your relationship with God, and it's about your relationship with others. Sometimes we make it harder than that. In verse 6, But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, and this is interesting. So James is saying, wherefore he saith, uh, that referring that this is another scripture, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. But uh, they, have, uh, they don't know where that came from in the scripture. So it came from a couple of ideas, but no exact scripture. There's no quote in the Old Testament that's saying that the closest to it, is in Proverbs 3.34 that in one of the Greek renderings said something like this, um, the Lord mocks the mocker, but the gracious, but is gracious to the humble. But through the Spirit of the Lord, James said, God resisteth the proud, and he giveth grace to the humble. And it was by the Spirit that James paraphrased this. But, there's a real, and, and we're, it's, a, it's a flow of thoughts. Marv said, that guy doesn't really want to quit drinking. And, and it's easy for me to see his problem, and I need to put it to my own problems, but I, I agree with that, that when I say, I want to quit but can't, I'm, I'm the one standing in the way. I'm, I'm the one that's standing in the way. And in uh, there's the uh, AA meetings. When you go to the AA meetings, there uh, they're number five on their twelve list uh, of things to help for recovery. Their number five is that you need to admit to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. In other words, until we own a problem we're trying to overcome, we can't overcome it. Until, uh, you know, and we look at it, it's easy for us to look at a guy with alcohol and say, you're not serious yet. But then when we look at our own failures and our own struggles, we say, "Uh, we need a little more patience. God's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. Twenty years later, God's still working on me. Still trying to make me what I ought to be. And there's a process and there's a reality to that. But when we look at somebody else, God resisteth the proud. For you to admit that I have a problem is a long way to solving it. For me to realize I have to get over this alcoholism. It's ruining my life and it's not done yet. For me to realize that is a long way towards solving a problem. If you don't own a problem, if you don't think you have a problem, there is no way in the world you're going to solve it. If you look at your problems as everybody else's problems and you're blaming it on everybody else, you can't be fixed. 
The Spirit of God can't fix you. And this ties together so beautiful. God resisteth the proud. But when you're willing to say to God, I don't, I don't have this handle. Just take my hand. He's willing to reach down and he's willing to grab a hold. But you've got to admit you've got a problem. You've got to admit that you need help. And all of us have that need. All of us need help. But we can't get the help we need as long as our pride stands in the way. How many conversations did pride kill for us? How many evenings were uncomfortable with a family? And how many times does pride um, mess with our, our lives? All of us. Humility is what it takes to overcome anything you're trying to overcome. And I said to the, a guy that goes to, to AA, how come you've got to tell another person? And he said, well, you have to tell yourself so that you understand the problem. You have to own it. You have to tell God and ask him for forgiveness. And you have to tell somebody else, and that's when you're, that's when you're healed. He feels like the thought of confess your thought faults one to another is the ring is completed when you say, hey, I have a problem, this problem I'm working through. Talk to somebody you trust and say, I have this problem I'm working through. And that, that helps your humility. When, you're, when you get rid of that pride in your life, you're going to make advances. You're going to see success. You're going to see that thing that you were working with for ten years. You're going to get over that. But you've got to get rid of that pride and get that humility and tell somebody, tell a brother that you trust or a sister that you trust, hey, i got a problem. I'm working through Submit yourselves therefore unto God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. What a privilege it is to be invited by the creator of the universe to, to, to draw nigh. To just, to just get close. Not to impress him. Not with any pretense of our goodness, of our qualifications. But just, just to draw nigh to Him and say, Lord, I need you to take my hand. I, I, I'm, I'm working through these things. I'm responding wrong. I'm, whatever. Lord, I need you to take my hand. And, and His promise here is, if you do that, He's going to draw nigh to you. I see where, uh, at 10 of here already. Uh, there's two more things that he bounces on. Warning against judging others. And warning about self-confidence being presumptuous. Let me just say a few words about judging others. Not many. It's, it's, it is the one scripture that everybody that doesn't know scripture knows. Judge not that you be not judged. And that we're called to make deductions and judging. We're called to judge between right and wrong. 
But there's so many times in the New Testament that it warns us as Christians about judging other Christians. Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judges a brother, speaketh evil of the law and judges the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. There's one lawgiver who is able to save and destroy. Who art thou that judges another? There's this in about eight or ten more places in the New Testament where it warns you and I as a church to not judge one another. But we find it so easy to judge one another. And we, we, we say it's, it's concerns oftentimes and we can break things apart. And we can say, you know, modesty is a teaching in the Bible. And we can throw somebody under the bus that has one shade dressed different than ours. And, and we can say that it's wrong and we can write them off and we can do it feeling pretty good about ourselves. But you might have grown more. The Lord might have you at a different place. And there's all kinds of things that enter in there. And some of it evolves a bit. I bet Mary and Martha would look at every one of the women in here this morning and saying they're not shakely. I think that means they're not uh, okay. What does shikli mean? Not acceptable. Yeah. So there's that. But... The Lord warns us because apparently it's a problem with us that we're willing to write others off and throw them under the bus when they're a shade different or when they're at a different place than the Lord has us currently. And the Spirit has us having forbearance and and thinking the best and trusting people and holding them up. And it's not God that is causing you to judge or pick or tear apart. There's other ways to handle that. Those, uh, when there's, there, look, I know there's things need work through. There's judgments that need to be made. But so many churches come apart at the seams. So many people uh, give up because somebody threw them under the bus. And apparently it's, it's a problem because he addresses it time after time in the New Testament. Okay, just a closing thought. You can, why do we do the things we do? Because we want the things we want. And if you ponder that and think about it, it's going to help you to change some of the things that you've been wanting to change about you. You can control your wants and your actions and your words and your motives and desires. You can. You might. And you might not. If you do, you're going to be absolutely amazed at where God can take you. He's promised peace and joy. I I had to think of that poem. It's a worn out poem, but... Two roads diverged in the wood, and I, 
I took the one less traveled by. And what's the last line there? Anybody? And it, somebody start it. And it has made all the difference. It has made all the difference. You can, you can let yourself, your own selfish uh, desires and wants call the shots, or you can let the Spirit of God call the shots in your life. There has no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. 1 Corinthians, Romans 8, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. A person can yield to God or yield to themselves. Let's kneel for prayer.